You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on aloemoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Hello and happy Thursday, everyone. It's Jen. You're listening to Fat Mascara. So Thursday is our interview episode always. And as we discussed last week, Jess is moving this week. Like as we speak, she's on a boat on our way to New Jersey. No, just kidding. She's not taking a boat. She's taking moving trucks. Um, But she's not here with me for this interview today, which is a bummer because Jess and I have known our guest Val Monroe for years, and she is one of our favorite writers 
I was going to say beauty writers, but I'm just going to say writers, period. So you might have heard of Val, Valerie Monroe is her full name. You might have heard of Val because of her column, Ask Val, which was in O, the Oprah magazine for years. She was the beauty director there for actually 16 years. She's also written for and worked at Red Book Self and Parenting. Um, and her work appears in numerous anthologies as well. I'll link to her website so you can read some of her essays. Some of her, some of her, my favorite pieces of hers are actually on her website, which is great. So that does all the homework for you. But the reason we're having her on now is because this year she launched a newsletter on Substack. It's called How Not to F Up Your Face, though she uses the full F word, and that's why I freaking love Val Monroe. Um, So you can subscribe to that on Substack, and we'll put a link on the blog for that as well. And Val says that her purpose, and I love this, is that she wants to shift the way people think about beauty, to shift the the beauty arena from self-criticism to self-compassion. And we really touch on that in this interview. We talk a lot about the concept of aging, but more importantly, the concept of self-love and how to treat yourself and look at yourself in the mirror. I learned about mirror meditating, which I'm already looking into way more, and you'll learn about that as well. And of course, hear about some of Val's favorite products. It's just a really great interview. I left with my heart lifted, feeling really happy, and I hope the interview does the same for you. Val, I have already introduced our listeners to you. They know who you are, but they don't really know how, why should they listen to you? You have a newsletter, which I'm going to say on air as how not to F up your face. That's good. What do you say when you talk to people about it? You know, I started to to say how not to F up your face because there were some people who were somewhat, um, not offended, but just kind of taken aback by hearing the word fuck in a normal conversation or in a conversation about beauty or whatever. So um, I figured um, it's probably a good idea when I'm not talking to my friends, not that you're not yeah. one of my friends, but uh, to <laughs> say how not to F up your face. It's a yeah, better way to put it. I love it. And it makes you stop. And it also, like you said, it's not the kind of language you usually hear around beauty, but that's kind of always been what you've done. So tell people, so what makes you an expert? Like, why why are you starting this? Yeah, you know, I was afraid you were going to ask me what makes me an expert because I've always felt like <laughs> I'm not exactly a real beauty editor because being the... Um, having the platform at the Oprah magazine kind of protected me in a way from um, what a lot of other beauty editors in the media have had to deal with, which is um, having to please the advertising industry as well as the beauty industry. And because from the very beginning, because Oprah is Oprah, I never really had to deal with that because she's been the goose who laid the golden egg. And I was able to, um, to write what we believed was the truth about the beauty industry to take a different um, position than many other beauty editors because of her. So um, just a little bit of background and briefly, she never, when she started the magazine in 2000, uh, she didn't want to have beauty in the magazine at all. She didn't understand what the relationship between beauty and the advertising industry was. And so she she said, I don't want to have it because I hate the way it treats it makes reader, readers want to come back to learn how to be fixed month after month. It makes women feel yeah. terrible about themselves. So I want to do something completely different. And I had had no um, uh, experience in the beauty industry. And the editor at the time, Amy Gross, brilliant Amy Gross, hired me because I had no experience. And she wanted a fresh voice who could kind of learn along with the readership um, what the beauty industry was about and to take um, to take a different approach to it, to have um, a different kind of platform uh, than was uh, typical in the industry. Uh, so that's how I got started and why I was able to write, I think, more honestly 
uh, about beauty than other beauty editors at the time. And I wasn't kind of trapped in that idea that we had to always be reporting on trends and products, even though we did, because we did have to get beauty advertising, because that's basically what kept all magazines afloat. But I was given so much more latitude about what I could write about. So when you started that job, you maybe I'll just call you like a layperson. You were like the the rest of the people that listen to this podcast, maybe that you know what you know about beauty, but not everything. When you left, though, you'd been years of interviewing experts and things like that. Did your beauty philosophy change from like 2000 or whenever you started to your last day at the magazine? Yeah, totally. How? Um, yeah, and I I, uh, I would call myself a civilian. That's you know not <laughs> a layperson. I was a civilian. Okay. Um, yeah, so you know when I went into it. I was as starry-eyed as everybody else about, about, you know, products and what the beauty industry, you know, promotes as what it can do. By the time I left, I was more gimlet-eyed about mm-hmm. the industry, um, which is basically what, the new, what led me to start writing this newsletter, um, because I realized there was so much, um, so much hype in the beauty industry. And basically, that's, that's what it produces the best, in my humble opinion. Um, and, and, and the reason that the, that I started the newsletter was that so many of my friends were just asking me like, does this work? Does this work? And, and they were, I never thought that I knew very much about the industry compared to, I'm not ass kissing here, but compared to people like you and other people who are much more, um, you know, qualified in a way about following trends and, um, you know, following product launches and that kind of thing, which doesn't really interest me a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and, um, but then I realized that my friends knew nothing compared to what <laughs> I knew. And so I might've learned a little bit. And, and um, you know, I had been traveling after I left the magazine in 2017, I was traveling a lot. My son and granddaughter and daughter-in-law live in Tokyo. So I was spending about four months a year there traveling back and forth. And then the, the pandemic hit and I couldn't travel anymore. And I was volunteering, doing various kinds of volunteer work but I was really missing writing. And I thought, what can I do that could be helpful, maybe, and that would, would um, you know, satisfy my writing Jones. And I thought, well, let me just try this newsletter because I can answer some of my friends' questions. And it didn't seem like it would be very hard to do that, but I've realized, as you probably know, that <laughs> producing something once a week is, I mean, it's really hard. It's and, very labor And answering a question that doesn't then alienate 98% of other people with its answers and trying to be inclusive because it's so personal talking yes. about beauty, isn't yes, it? That's, that's, yes, that's exactly right. It is. And, and so you personally, I have to ask then, what's your personal philosophy? Having gone through that, how do you approach your face, your hair, you know, just like getting yourself together, if you will? Actually, I made me laugh because in that little note, the email you sent me before yeah, we did this. I called it grooming. You called it grooming. You put grooming in quotes. I'm like, <laughs> why did she put it in quotes? Like, do I look like a bad woman? I mean, do I? Because to some that? people, that means like literally just washing their face and that's their grooming ritual. To others, uh, it's, you know, 52 steps. What's the, what's the Val Monroe? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, ritual. Yeah, it's pretty uh, less is more. So okay. um, I just, I don't, um, I typically don't really enjoy the time it takes to, for a lot of grooming. Uh, there's So there's two things. One is, you know, I use- You're not like a macaque monkey. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I know, so, now that I'm hearing right. you say grooming, I'm like, I guess that does sound a little bit weird and mammalian. I don't know. All right. Um, not that there's anything wrong with macaques, but, you know, or their grooming. But um, I use a, a prescription uh, product at night. 
mm-hmm. which is the only thing that I spend money on because I don't believe that it's worth spending a lot of money on over-the-counter stuff. And then for the other stuff that I use, like I use it, the um, the prescription is a prescription retinoid, a tretinoin, mm-hmm. and then something with uh, alizaic acid and, um, and um, niacinamide. And then in the uh, daytime, I just use a Neutrogena moisturizer and uh, sunscreen, and uh, that's it. The one thing that I've always done, and it gets more and more important as I get older, is that I have somebody do my hair once a week. So my stylist... He doesn't work in a salon anymore, but he comes to my house. And because we've had a long-term relationship, he doesn't charge me the hundreds of thousands of dollars he charges other people. So, you know, I pay him a certain amount of money to come once a week and give me a blowout and give me a haircut. Because I think as a woman- You get your haircut every week. No, no, no. the blowout happens every week. Every like two and a half months I get a haircut. Yeah, the blowout happens every week without fail if he's around. Because 95% of my presentation, I think, especially as I get older, is my hair. Like the better my hair looks, the less I have to worry about my face or think about my face. And actually, I just have to tell you that twice in the last month, people have seen me in Central Park, where I live when I'm not in my apartment. Yeah. And recognized me from like, I don't know, 100 yards away from the back of my head. And they both said... I haven't seen them, neither of these people I've seen in three years. And both of them said it was your hair. So either I need a new hairstyle or my hair is my thing. Or, or yeah, I think your hair is your thing, especially with the mask wearing now. It's like, you still know it's Val, even with the mask on. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but but I think it's really important. Okay, I love that you say that that's less is more, first of all, because I think some in some people's gauge, like someone coming to your house to do your hair every week is maybe more is more. So it's all... You know, it's all personal. What what do you, why do you think some people think, and I get this a lot being a beauty editor, and I'm sure when you wrote about beauty, they think like it's superficial or vain to care about your hair. In your case, let's just use your hair as the example. Why do some people think that it's that about caring about your appearance? I, I see that as a terrible double-edged sword. Yeah. Because as women, we're, from the time we can look at a mirror, we're encouraged to think of our appearance as our currency. So, you know, for most of us, um, we think of our looks, our appearance as a way to get ahead, as a way to, you know, promote ourselves, as a way to feel good about ourselves. And then, so that's on the one hand, that's pervasive. On the other hand, when people say, well, if you're you're being vain when you care about your looks, that's cruel. Because mm-hmm. how can you how can you expect one and not the other? I mean, it's just I I find that, you know, a kind of cruelty that I don't buy into one bit. Almost like you need money to survive and then you're going to look down on the person that gets a job to get that money to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And I should ask, just for a little context here, uh, with age, as far as like your philosophy and everything, you came to, I don't know how old you are actually. but 70. Okay. So I knew you were older than me. And I feel like (laughs) things have changed a lot as each generation goes on with women as far as their looks as their currency. Um, So here you are, 70. And even as you've seen things change, have they changed that much for you? Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a difference. I I don't actually take it personally. I mean, I just, one of my uh, posts recently was I was called Gone Girl. And it was about the experience that I wrote about 12 years ago. So I was, what's 70 minus 58. 12, 58? <laughs> yeah. So I was 58 at the time. And I I realized for the first time that I was being ignored. Like I was sitting next to a young 
you know, very beautiful 20-something-year-old. And I was at an art show and, and the guys were saying hello to her and they were just kind of like not even hardly glancing at me. Um, and that was my first experience. And so I wanted to understand what was happening and, you know, on a, you know, on a Darwinian level, kind of like a hardwired level. Yeah. My belief is that, um, you know, once we pass menopause, because that's mostly when women start to feel like they're not being recognized or they're not being seen anymore in the street, you know, we're no longer viable reproductively. And so for, you know, on some hardwired level, we're done basically, you know, um, that's problematic because now we tend to live much longer than, yeah. you know, once we're done reproductively. And the issue I think between men and women is that men aren't, you know, and they can keep reproducing until they're, you know, they're dead basically. Um, and so, you know, they don't see us anymore as viable partners on some level that I think they're mostly not conscious of. Yeah. Um, the, what I got to at the end of that story was that at the time was that, um, you know, there's, there are various psychologists who say it's really important for those reasons, um, you know, to, to feel like you can still be generative in your middle age and your old age. It's important for your mental health. And so I just decided, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ignore that other shit and I'm just going to be generative. Then looking at it from 12 years later, yeah. um, I realized um, how unimportant it had become to me. I'd almost forgotten about it. Um, because especially during the pandemic, I've been walking alone a lot. So there's been a lot of solitude for me. And I've been, instead of uh, turning inward, I've been looking outward and turning my attention outward in a, in a very kind of um, exquisite way. This writer uh, calls it something like an exercise in supreme attentiveness. And I, I call it grace because it's just so, um, you know, kind of nourishing and um, and, uh, you know, made me feel so happy. So I don't really think about being looked at so much anymore. It's not so that I don't think about it Not counting your worth as, as far as currency with the opposite sex or the same sex, depending, not counting your worth as far as how your looks are, not giving a shit, as you said, is the thing that's given you that good feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually overstating it to say not giving a shit because I really <laughs> do. I really do still. Right. Of course, because, right. you know, I think we do until we're dead basically. Who wants to not be attractive, you know? Right. But um, but it doesn't have the same kind of weight or valence that it did. Yeah, that's a good thing, I when think. When I was younger. It is. You, you, brought, you brought up how that is with other people. I'm curious because, like, capitalism kind of rules the the culture that we're in right now, do you did you find that also was the case as far as products marketed to you? Not that that's a positive thing, but like here you are as a 70-year-old woman, do you feel like, well, maybe I do want to look good, but I'm not finding the stuff out there that works for me? Or has that changed at all in the last, you know, 20 years? Because um, marketers sure seem to think, like they're always like, oh, now this is for the postmenopausal women yeah. and I get a press release every other week about that. Yeah, about estrogen, estrogen depleted skin, actually. Yeah. Uh, which is a thing, you know. Um, that's a hard one. I mean, I, I actually, you know, I'm tempted by the products that are supposed to help with estrogen depleted skin because that is a thing. I know that happens, but is are those products more than moisturizers? Well, maybe. I yeah. I don't really I don't really trust it any more than I trust any other kind of good moisturizer. I mean, it it sounds like mostly marketing to me. 
Does it make you happy to see when people try and be more inclusive in their imagery for a brand? Oh, for example, like Laura Geller now isn't isn't using uh, models under, I think, the age of 50. Does that, as a woman who's 70, do you give a shit? <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I think it's a nice idea. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I haven't seen Laura's, um, and I love her stuff. I haven't seen her, um, her models. Um, I don't, I wonder whether they're, you know, whether they look like real people or whether they look like 50 year old models, because there's a huge difference. I, this yeah. just reminds me of something. When I, I worked at Redbook as an articles editor, when I was like really young in my tw- late twenties, and we had this wonderful male editor and he decided he was going to put real people on the cover for a while. And I used to write the column about the cover at that time. And he tried it for a while and he got these really great looking real people, but nobody would buy the magazine, you know? <laughs> it's just like, because there's this issue about, you know, uh, allure. I mean, I don't mean allure the magazine, but, you know, like people wanting to be, see images that are aspirational. Yeah. And don't want to yeah. look at people who look like themselves, which is, I understand it. I do too. I'm curious to see as I watch like Gen Z come up, they seem to say that's not their philosophy. We'll see. <laughs> exactly. Because we'll I'm like, it's all well to say that when you're 17, but let's see what exactly. happens. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, part of your job at O was answering questions, like you said. And I remember I read religiously, you would tackle one question in depth. It wasn't like 10 Q&As like every other magazine. You really tried to answer it. Mm-hmm. And I know people wrote to you personally mm-hmm. and asked Val, or ask Val, what, what, was that the name of the column? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, okay, after all these years of hearing all these questions, and now from your friends, you said you're still getting all these questions. Um, what is like the most common question that you get, or what are some of the most common questions that you get from women or men? Um, it's usually, you know, it was at the magazine and it still seems to be yeah. about eyes. Yeah. So, which doesn't surprise me at all because, you know, when we look at our faces, we look at our eyes, right? Our eyes are such a focal point. Um, and, you know, basically they're, you know, droopy upper lids, uh, baggy lower lids or puffy puffiness, dark circles, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, which all those problems are, I don't tend to call them problems, but the women do, uh, they, the issues tend to intensify as we age. Yeah. So I, I think I'll be hearing more about them. So that's the, the eye issues and then um, neck issues, because one of the, one of the um, issues I found that women often are most, um, you know, focused on before they decide to have like a lower facelift is their neck. And Often I hear, well, I was looking in the mirror and I looked at my neck and my neck looked like my mother's neck and I couldn't take it. And so I had to go, you know, well, that's a thing. Yeah. I think. So I actually, I think, I, I think my next post, I think I'm going to do on necks. Yeah. And you know, Nora Ephron wrote this fabulous book called I Feel Bad About My Neck. Of course. It and comes up a lot on this podcast. That, does it? That line in general, just. Yeah. And the way we think about beauty. Um, going yeah. back to the eyes for a second, because it's such a, uh, layered question because you named so many eye issues. How do you, when you, people are like, oh, my eyes and they don't know what they don't like. How do you tackle each of those problems? Like, what are your suggestions to people who are like, I want my eyes to look, you know, refreshed? You know, something so interesting. I never, no one has ever said to me, I don't like the way my eyes look, but I don't know why. Everyone comes with a very specific problem. Oh yeah. Like dark circles. What do you say for that dark circles? Because we get that question all the time. Yeah. 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 So typically I'll say, well, you know, I mean, depends on how much time I have. But, you know, I'll say <laughs> there's podcast. two kinds of darks. Hours, Val. Give us the 
Oh, actually, I meant with the, with the questioner. Like sometimes oh, okay. I don't want to be standing on the street for six hours explaining the difference between, you know, pigmentation and, you know, Oh, you've and, come to the right place. Skin. We have six hours. <laughs> oh, right, right. So, I mean, if I have the time, then I'll try to explain the difference between, you know, different kinds of discoloration and what causes it. I mean, bottom line, I'll say, you know, you can use a concealer and here's how to do that. Or you can see a dermatologist because there are a couple of things a dermatologist can do. So typically, I mean, if, if somebody's really serious about an issue, I tell them to go to the doctor. Yeah. I mean, because everything, everything I might suggest is going to be cosmetic, which is right. fine. But what, What's um, your thought on eye creams in general after useless. years of doing this? Useless. I mean, not... Uh, they're useless they're nice moisturizers, you, right? Right, exactly. And I use one because somebody sent me one, so I'm not going to throw it away. You know, <laughs> I put it on, but no, I when I use my retinoid, I I put it right up to my lower eye lashes. You know, right. That's going to do something better than a, you know, than an eye cream. Than an over the counter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eyes are complicated. Actually, our most popular episode of all time is called All About Eyes. Yeah. I don't even think we put the doctor's name in the title and it was just like, that's what people have questions about. I actually, when I was at the magazine, I said, what's the one thing that, you know, vexes you the most? And everybody, everybody wrote in eyes and there were different problems. And I, right. I actually, at the time I did, I think we were doing these little, occasionally these little supplements, you know, Aspel supplements. And I just did a, I think I did a whole one on eyes. Oh, oh you could write a book on it. Yeah. Right. And you guys, you guys mentioned something recently about um, about this stuff, this eye brightener. That's that. Oh, Upnik, the droopy eyelid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's Lumify, which is the eye brightening drops, but now Tosis, which is like a droopy eyelid right. in a medical condition, has right. an eye drop because with it. Um, a dermatologist friend told me that she had used um, Latisse on her lids, and her lids basically she looked like she had an eye job. Oh, a side effect of Latisse, yes. Latisse, for those who don't know, is the one that is meant to grow your eyelashes. Right. But there are some interesting side effects. Like it like turns upward some people's yes. eyes and then it also darkens some people's yes. lashes, but it can also darken your irises. Yes. But she had found that it that it reduced the, you know, the the overhang in her upper lid. And I saw her and she looked as if she had had an eye a blood. Or maybe blood. there's like more hairs now. So they're like lifting up the droopiness. <laughs> right. yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. Small changes make a huge difference. True. Eyeliner. I watched someone get their waterline tattooed. I've heard that on your, yeah. With, with a, I guess it's permanent makeup, you know, like you know, tattoo eyeliner back in the day looked crazy, but now it's like refined. And like, it was the thinnest little line and it looked wow. totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eyes are crazy like that. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. 
Ritual's Hyacera is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honeylove, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honeylove came along. Honeylove's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honeylove products make you look good and feel good, whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence. Honeylove is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honeylove. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings, or even just like a bad day, is to hop on alomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on alanmoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. 
Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. You get all these questions. What's the one that still stumps you, Val? Like you don't have a good answer for a beauty question. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure, actually. What about you personally? Is there one that you're like, I've asked this of a million experts and they're still yeah, no well, there's answer? One that just came up recently, which was um, the a doctor told me that, um, that vitamin C serum uh, is the one thing that's been proven to help reduce the recurrence of basal cell skin cancer. Okay. So I don't, I can't find that anywhere. I haven't asked her, um, you know, what the, um, uh, where the studies are. So I'm not really, I'm not sure, but I would like to know the answer to that. There was one that I thought you might know the answer to uh, just off the top of your head, which is somebody, I read somewhere that if you use a sunscreen, like a zinc based or, you know, a physical sunscreen that you need to double cleanse in order to get it off. Like, because only oil removes oil. What, what do you think about that? Well, I've seen doctors wash their faces with just the one cleansing and then do the ultraviolet lamp. You know how that'll show you where the sunscreen yeah. is? Yeah, yeah, It's like a gimmicky Instagram thing of like to show. Yeah. Truly though, when they only wash once, you still see the particles there. And so, I mean, to me, that's not a bad thing because those aren't reactive ingredients. And if I'm sleeping with a little bit of zinc on my skin, I don't think that bothers my skin in particular. Um, And then I'm like, cool, I'm already halfway there for the next morning with the sunscreen. (laughs) But then she did a micellar water and it was like completely gone. Or somebody did an oil cleanse and then a foam cleanse and it was completely gone. Right. But I mean, their Mm. whole thing is to stick around through waterproof, those physical sunscreens. So it makes sense that you'd have to cleanse twice to get them off. Right, right. Okay, thank you. Well, well now I don't I've know if that something. was an answer, but you're welcome. <laughs> oh, there you go. I answered that for you. Um, Thank you. I have to ask you, since we we talked, we touched on this lately a little bit about aging, but in recent years, for example, like Allure Magazine made this big whole statement that they're not going to use the term anti-aging. And so I'm 42. So I'm one someone who, I don't know if you consider that of an age where I would do anti-aging, but like, what's your take as a woman who's 70 on calling some of these things like vitamin C serums or retinoids anti-agers? So um, I just want to tell you that when I started at The Oprah Magazine in 2001, um, I made it a point never to use the words anti-aging. Did you make it all the way through without doing that? Absolutely not. (laughs) No, because by the time, you know, I mean, actually it was fairly close to the time I left. I mean, since I was there for a very long time, um, I was able to do it for a long time, but after a while, because of the industry, you know, it just became impossible not to use those words because they're in so many products. Yeah. I mean, so, so when I, I understand why we use that language because, um, as an aging woman, I know looking at an aging face, um, it, it gives us lots of cues to something nobody wants to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that we're not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the most obvious thing. And I think it's also probably the most subconscious thing. Is what, when we look at, a, at an aging face, we're like, well, why do we recoil? You know, I mean, if it's a yeah. really old face. 
Well, it's because it just reminds us that we're going to die one day. And there's somebody probably standing in front of us who's closer to that than we are, but it doesn't, you know, we're not, we're never going to be, none of us are going to be excused. So there's that. So I understand where the language comes from, but, but I was thinking about, you know, would you, would you march in a parade and carry a flag that said anti-aging? I mean, (laughs) I'm Jewish and I'm a feminist. Yeah. And I was and I'm aging and I respond to anti-aging in a similar way that I respond to anti-Semitic and anti-feminist. Yeah. I'm not going to march in a parade carrying, you know, with people who are carrying an anti-aging sign. I mean, I get where it comes from. And yet I think bottom line, it it continues to promulgate the idea that, you know, it's okay to marginalize people who don't look like they could produce a baby, bottom yeah. line, you know? Yeah. It sucks, but I get it. I, so, but, word, you know. so you're saying words do matter. Because for someone like me, I'm like, how else do you describe a retinoid if you're not right. an anti-ager? But I do well, feel weird saying that. Well, yeah, I mean, you could say that it's- um, Promotes it, cell turnover. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it does, yeah, good idea. I know, like, it feels- <laughs> right. That's well, a makes complicated your skin look, concept. Or healthy or something, you know? Oh, I mean, I it's, see. Very, it's hard to get around it, but, you know, I mean, just think about, you know, what you would think if you saw a parade below your, you know, down, people marching down the street carrying signs, you know, like they're anti-agers. Like, fuck you. Yeah. You know? You're like, I'm of an age, so. Yeah. I don't, I'm not quite sure what, what age is that when you're of an age? Actually, my next question was going to be about, at what, do you remember the first time you looked in the mirror and thought, oh, I have to do things to maintain my looks. Like, when did that first occur to you? Yeah, you know, I, I'm in um, great denial about that. I have to say, <laughs> like, every once in a while, I'm, I'm you know, that we're looking at each other now, I'll look at my, say, my, my, myself, and I, so I see my face in comparison to yours. And it's shocking in a way, because, so I had this thing where I was with a friend, a guy friend, and he was looking in the mirror and he was saying, oh God, you know, I'm turning into such an old man. And I said to him, well, you don't look like an old man to me. And he said, well, every time I look in the mirror, you know, I just see this old man. And I said, it's so interesting because when I look in the mirror, I don't see an old woman. And he said, well, you're in denial. I'm like, that's right. I'm in denial and I want to continue to be in denial. That's right. And, um, And so the way I think about it is, you know, there's good denial and there's bad denial. So bad denial is when, you know, you live, as I once did, with a drug addict and you pretend that nothing is happening, right? Just throwing that out there quickly. I'll, I'll let then, you leave that there and continue your you. thought. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then the good denial is like I don't put up pictures around my apartment of myself looking horrible. You know, like I put up pictures of myself looking good because I want to see myself looking good. So, and the the lighting I had um, installed in my bathroom is like it's the greatest lighting. It's like I don't have a ring light, but it's like the best ring lighting. So I check, you know, like I don't wear much makeup, but yeah. I look in the window at least, you know, in, in natural light before I leave the house to make sure I don't look like an idiot. But typically when I look in my bathroom mirror, the face I see is the face I want to see. When I'm yeah. at a friend's and she's got a down, a bright, you know, like white down light in her bathroom, I don't bother looking because it's going to look like hell. Yeah. And you so, know where that'll take you. Exactly. Psychologically. 
Yeah. That's funny. That's uh, the, There's also that line about how, oh, our eyesight starts to go just as our looks do. Which is true. And I truly will not put in a contact lens sometimes when I'm doing my makeup because I'm like, oh, I look great. And then you put in the contact lens and then you see all the other stuff. And I'm like, whatever, I'm out of here. Just get away from the mirror. <laughs> very healthy. It is. It's denial to a point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So all that said, though, there's lots of people that come to us that they're like 20 years old and they're soaking in the marketing of this beauty world or they're looking at other people who might be 40 and look like they're 20. And so they want to like maintain their looks. What do you tell someone of that age? Yeah, so- um, I mean, I realize your granddaughter's not he- yet, there yet. She's like four, right? Three. Three, okay. Yeah, she's okay. three. Although, you know, like I saw her sucking on a straw once and I was like, don't do that. Don't do that because you're going to get a little- lip-like. Is that true or is that a myth about the muscles around the mouth? A doctor told me that that gives you the perioral rhytids, you know? I've got them too. And, and I think they come from, well, you know, when I wrote about it, I said they come from- Smoking. Kissing, okay. well, yes, smoking, but I don't smoke. But they come from kissing mm-hmm. and smoking malted through a straw. I'm like, you know what? I'll live with them because I don't want to stop. I don't want so much Botox in my lip that I can't like pucker up. So the main thing, and this is something I haven't talked about yet with you, but the main thing I think that's most important that we can't start doing early enough is learning how to de-objectify what we see in the mirror. Because from the time we can look in the mirror, most of us, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about women here, we're taught to objectify our image. So that means that what we see in the mirror is not um, uh, just an, an image of someone as if we were looking at someone else, but we have this third party looking at the image with us because we're only seeing what we think other people see. So it's not just like Jen's face or Val's face. It's this object that needs to be adorned and, and, you know, manipulated or even fixed to, um, to please this other person who's in our head or sitting on mm-hmm. our shoulder. Um, and I think if you can learn how to de-objectify the image you see in the mirror, all this other crap about how you feel about your face, how it needs to be fixed, and particularly as we age, it means so much less. I talk about it in relation to what happened to me when I first started at the magazine. They threw me a party. Remember those days? Mm-hmm. And um, and I uh, was talking face-to-face with a gorgeous human being, Iman, at some point. And somebody took a picture of us. And we were talking, you know, in profile, face-to-face. And this person sent me this photo. And I, I looked at the photo. And the first thing I thought was, oh, my God, she is the most ravishing creature I've ever seen. And then I looked at myself and I was like, I am just like, I look like, I I don't even know how to describe it. In the story I wrote, I said, she looked like a, you know, like a ravishing hothouse orchid. And I looked like a parking lot daisy. That's the way I felt about it. And, and then I went over to the mirror in my office and I just stood, I had had a ton of therapy at this point. And I had stood and I just stood in front of the mirror looking into my own eyes until I actually saw myself. Yeah. I saw the person who lived there is the way I put it. And I said, oh, hi, sweetie. And I just felt so much better. Like I was no longer in competition with this person. I was just who I was and happy with who I was because at the time, you know, I had figured out who I was. And um, and then I just stumbled across this research. So this is a uh, psychologist um, at at Barnard, who's done research into what's called mirror meditation. Mm-hmm. What I was doing was something that, that she's done a lot of studies about. And it's about gazing into the mirror. And this is actually, I mean, it's, there are a lot of people, um, psychologists who've done this work. 
Um, but it involves gazing, gazing into a mirror and letting your feelings come up so that you're basically, what you're doing is deep listening to yourself as you look at yourself. And you, so you're not allowing yourself to, you know, criticize your features or how, how your face looks. And um, the way I think of it is like, you know, deep listening is the kindest thing you can do for anyone. Basically, it's what you do for your, your most intimate friends. But if you do it during mirror meditation, you're learning to do it for yourself, which mm-hmm. is so important. And then if you do it religiously, because it's an exercise, if you keep doing it, ultimately, I believe you become less, um, uh, less concerned about, you know, the, the physical appearance of your face. But the bottom line is that anything you choose to do with it, whether you choose to do nothing or if you just have a facelift, you're going to be happier with the results. So, and the other thing I would tell a 20-year-old is do that. That's the most important thing. And then start using a retinoid and use it for the rest of your life. And as you said, you know, you always say stay out of the sun. But so that mirror meditation is more like before you start doing things to your face, think about why you're doing that. Exactly. And like tune in yeah. with yourself. Exactly. Mirror meditation. I'm going to have to look into that. So it's, it's also called mirror gazing. Um, okay. But, but bottom line, you know, the whole platform of my newsletter is, um, is to learn how to de-objectify what you see in the mirror. Everything mm-hmm. else that I write about is, you know, eventually it goes back to that. I keep saying, I, I'm going to invite you again to try this because it's very hard. And especially the first time you do it, you feel like an idiot, um, but it's worth it. It's really worth it if you can um, sit with yourself. Yeah. And then actually putting on those products doesn't feel as much a loaded proposition because then it's just like, well, I'm already happy with myself. But And it's fun and it should be fun. I mean, that's why I love makeup. Yeah. Because makeup is really fun. Yeah. And and you know what? I mean, um, even skincare can be fun if you um if you enjoy, you know, like I I forget whether I I think I I think I posted this in the last column about using a you know an inexpensive moisturizer. You can make it feel like an expensive moisturizer if you like, you know, warm it between your hands and pat it into your face and then treat it as if, you know, a facialist were applying your moisturizer. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Because that's basically where the where the enjoyment comes from anyway. That's what I was, when people ask me like, well, does it work? And I'm always like, do you think it works? Does it make you feel good? <laughs> yes. If it doesn't, right. like, why are you using it? Yeah, yeah. On that note, I mean, I want to know what you're using now though, because you said makeup's fun. Well, actually, I don't wear any, um, I only wear eye makeup. I don't wear anything on my skin, you know, on my skin except um, uh, moisturizer and sunscreen. And um, and when I w- went into the office, I used to use, um, with put a drop of Laura Mercier tinted moisturizer or it Cosmetics has great tinted moisturizer. Yeah. I put just a drop of that in my Neutrogena. I just use a Neutrogena Healthy Skin Moisturizer. Healthy Skin is the one that the like classic Neutrogena moisturizer is your go-to. It is. It's okay. like, you know, $12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been using that for about 20 years along with my prescription retinoid. Well, your brow, I have to say that your brow color is like kind of perfect. And I'm jealous because my brows are gray. So is that natural? Oh, uh, it is. Actually, I use the... Um, uh, benefit um, that precision brow pencil. Oh, Precisely my pencil. brow, I think it's called. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but I, I also wanted to ask you about that because uh, so many people are asking me about, you know, um, you know, brow microblading. Yeah. And I, my brows are getting thinner, but I'm so scared still to do the microblading. And are you, I, I found that I can dye my brows really easily. Yeah. 
I was afraid of them. My hair colorist has dyed them for me. It just doesn't, it'll take for like a couple days and then the grays, they're just so resistant. So I just do a tinted gel. Um, I will say in the same way they say like it's in the in the hands of the injector, how the injectables look with the um, microblading. Yeah. Wow, do your homework. Like look at the portfolio because right. I've seen it look completely tattooed on and fake. Yeah. And then I've seen it where like you would never know it's a microblade. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't, I can't find a bottom line, you know, like who who knows how to do it and who doesn't. I mean, it seems so random to me. I know. Well, the person I ended up writing about was a, a former tattoo artist. So she had had years of working with skin and with the needles, whereas I think you only need, there's something, it depends on the state. I actually edited a story about this. You only need like 12 hours of training to yeah. become a micro um, blader. And I'm like, that's insane to me that like, so I'd rather go to someone who was like a tattoo artist or who knows how to work with these things before someone who's a makeup artist who just happened to be trained. Seriously. Personally. That's my recommendation. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the thing about the brows is though, like I'm, I'm always afraid that they look too perfect, oh. you know? So, but- And especially um, now with the mask, I feel like I'm overthinking my eye makeup because that's all people see. And it used to be, oh, my makeup philosophy was like red lip and then nobody's even looking right. at anything else. <laughs> yeah. But now with the mask, you can't always do that. So yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel you. Can I ask you about a couple other products since this is fat mascara? Sure. You must have tried a million mascaras in your year. Yeah. Or your day. Revlon. Excuse me. I, I like Revlon them. is your go-to. Yep, yeah. And that Which is, one? you know, the volume lengthening something or other it's called. Actually- I just wrote it down because I knew I would forget it. It's volume and length. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, and it's not expensive. I bought the, uh, by mistake, I bought the waterproof one once and I I had to throw it away because it was just like glue on my lashes. I couldn't get it off. I find them to be so clumpy as well. Yeah, but this one I really like for some reason and not, not the other kinds, you know, just this particular volume and length. And what about like lip color? Is there like a go to, I've ne- I don't feel like I've never seen you in a red lip, Val. I don't like the way my, my lips look when I wear a bright red lipstick or, a, or a, and I love red lipstick, but, um, and especially as I've gotten older, it's very hard to wear a red lip if your lips aren't very full. Yeah. And if you have lip lines as I do, because it accentuates them. And so I found like a softer lip always looks better. So I'm not wearing any color because I'm wearing masks all the time. Yeah. And I've been using this um, Nivea vanilla buttercream Ooh, something. That yeah, it's delightful. so delicious. <laughs> yeah, it smells good. It tastes good. There's no color. It's what I'm wearing now. But but I I love wearing lip color. And I was wearing, um, you know, for a thousand years, those Clinique um, chubby pencil things, oh, yeah. you know. Um, but I haven't worn them since the pandemic. I haven't worn any lip color. As someone with a vermilion edge that is getting uh movable, shall we say, because I'm there too. Or bumpy. How did, how did Jane Fonda put it? Oh my God. It's good. It's like a gravelly road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really <laughs> you, good. Are you a lip pencil person when you do put on lip color? Um, if I have to, yeah. And I'll just use a neutral, you know, a neutral color uh, pencil. Uh, and a waxy one is really good because it prevents the color from bleeding. Oh yeah. Um, do you have a recommendation? You know, I, I have a couple things that people sent me. I don't know what the brands are. A waxy I'm useless. neutral pencil. Yeah, same as the same color as the lip. This is, yes. No, this is not useless at all. Still very helpful. Can we talk about fragrance too before I let you go? Are you a perfume person? I am. I adore fragrance. I adore it. Um, And um, so uh, what I wear when I travel is the Hermes Garden of Mr. Lee. And I kind of fell into that. I mean, I, whenever I would go to Japan, 
I would go to the, you know, duty-free place. And like, I walk into that, that place, you know, the yeah. duty-free, and I just like spray myself with this stuff. And so it became, it's become this fragrance that reminds me of, you know, of my travels to Japan, basically. And the, but the, the other perfumer I love is Francis Kirk John. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll just wear almost anything he makes. I just think he's, he's brilliant. And the whole idea of, you know, like how fragrance is, um, is composed is just so interesting to me. I, I love it. And he, and he treats it like storytelling and you're yeah. a storyteller, Val. So it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I love it. Be simpatico. Okay. So before I let you go, this is that we do this speed round with every guest. So Jane Fonda did it too. All the, everybody that's been on the show. So I'm going to, I'm going to run through them with you. What is the first beauty or grooming product that you remember falling in love with? It was sun in on my hair. So oh. I had, my hair was like really dark brown and I had like orange streaks in my hair in junior high. Hideous. Thanks to sun in. Hideous. Which I think was just like peroxide, right? I Some guess. lemon juice, maybe? Whatever it was, it turned my hair orange, and I loved it. I was just going to say, and, and you were you oh loved boy. it, of course. Yeah. Um, okay, what is the quality that you admire most in other people? Honesty. Mm, that's a good one. If there's one rule you wish everybody would follow, what would it be? To be kind. Okay. Um, what's the song that you're playing the most right now? Like, Oh, gosh. On your playlist. Um, Mahler's first symphony. Okay. So Mahler is very dramatic to me. Is this a dramatic one? Very romantic and dramatic. Yeah. And it's like the, uh, it's the perfect soundtrack to when I'm walking in the park. I also like to listen to the Beatles. So here comes the Also a great Central Park soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the Mahler symphony number one is just, it's really, really beautiful and, and easy. It's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's dramatic, but it's not full of like trauma. You okay. know, it's a lighter. It's not Wagner. <laughs> no, no, it's a lighter. It's actually, that's yeah, a good, good comparison. It's a much lighter symphony, more fun. Okay. All right. That's a good one. All right. Last question. If there was a movie to be made of your life, who would narrate it? Well, it's a hilarious idea that anybody would make a movie in my life. Um, but I think maybe I would like my three-year-old granddaughter to narrate it. She calls me, she calls me Barrelly Bumrow. And I was just thinking, oh wouldn't you watch a movie about Valerie Bumrow? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> sounds like a stripper. I also I also don't want her to grow up because a three-year-old voice would be just delightful. Right. Yeah. Especially narrating my life story. I mean, <laughs> it would make a lot really, of sense. Some of the themes that we came back to about not objectifying yourself. <laughs> right. Three-year-olds know that better than anyone, right? They do. They do. Although I have to say, you know, I saw her like about a year ago in front of a mirror, as you sometimes do seeing little kids in front of a mirror. And she was, she walked up to this mirror and she looked at herself and she planted a big fat kiss right on her face. And I'm like, honey, don't ever lose that. Oh, her mirror meditation game is strong. Right. <laughs> I right. love that. Oh my gosh, this was so fun. I wish I could have Thanks, connected Jen. with you in person, but thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for asking me. I'm so glad to have done this. It's really, really fun. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. 
You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Highest Air is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 